Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to our casual Friday chats uh, behind the scenes of Stuff You Missed in History Class. I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And today was emergency medicine week. Today was yes. emergency medicine week. That's where my brain's at. It's a little broken at this point. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I, it took me a while to work on this one because there's so much source material and it's kind of hard to pick out which things you want to focus on. And I am sure there are elements in the history of emergency medicine in the U.S. that people are like, oh, I wish you had talked about that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry we didn't. Can't do it all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I was a little bit struck because I am one of those people who is not great about maintaining a regular GP. So I'm kind of one of those jerks that's like uh, at the emergency room going, ah, something is going wrong. And they're like, who's your GP? And I'm like, I don't have one. (laughs) I do right now. I'm being very good. But um, as we were talking about how people use it for outpatient care, I try not to. I literally would not go if it weren't an actual situation where I was like, we should address this quickly. Uh, But but I still realize, like, it's better to have baseline health knowledge (laughs) yourself (laughs) so i encourage everyone to do that if you can um i i do have a gp and i had been putting off my physical not not by a long amount like i I was one of those things i was like okay when i get back from vacation i'm going to schedule that physical and i would have been roughly on schedule for it but instead i got back from vacation and there was a pandemic and they're like there's physicals aren't happening physicals are canceled (laughs) yeah (laughs) gonna have to do it later along with a lot of other chores that I was also putting off until getting back from vacation. Well, and being in a pandemic has changed the way I look at emergency care in general. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, I have seen videos made by doctors where they're like, if you have an emergency situation, come to the emergency department. We want to fix you. But, like, there was a night I was washing dishes, these old plates that I've had since college. So they are elderly. They're like 30 years old. And they're they're black glass plates. And one of them just broke while I was washing and it sliced open my hand. And I'm standing there like watching it bleed and I'm like, how bad is this? Because like, could I do stitches by myself at home? Because I do not want to go to a medical facility right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, one, like there's just the fact that there's potential exposure to additional illness, but also like I would feel like a jerk being like, I cut my hand on a dish when I know those nurses and doctors and other medical staff are so slammed with a pandemic at the moment. Yeah, I get daily updates from our mayor. And one of the recent updates from the mayor was like, we have heard a lot of reports of people who are having emergencies not wanting to go to the emergency room because you're afraid of overtaxing the medical system, which, like, Massachusetts is is a hotspot, and there's, um, like... It's we have a field hospital that may reach capacity. Like it's it's a scary thing. But also he was like, if you're having an emergency, please still go to the emergency. Like don't risk your life because you're af- afraid that either you will cause a burden or that like you may be exposed to something. Like they're taking all the precautions. Yeah. Still try to get treatment if you're having an emergency. For the record, my hand is fine. I didn't need any <laughs> stitches. It was just one of those things, you know, when you cut your hand, there yeah. are a lot of um, a lot of capillaries and whatnot going on there. It bleeds sometimes a lot. And I, I did, I don't want to be uh, graphic, but I did slice open some skin. And mm-hmm. I was just kind of doing that, like, how bad is this? And I, 
it's fine. It's healed yeah. now. It's A-OK. <laughs> Um, I have always said, you know, when people say like, what job would you want to do other than yours? What job would you never want to do other than yours? Uh huh. I could not work in any medical field. Yeah. I just couldn't. And I'm not even that squeamish. I just don't think I could do it. Right. We, I think, have discussed on the show before that I, I am not okay with vomit in a lot of contexts. So that would be a disqualifier. Um. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that surprised me in this uh, these episodes this week um, was I thought that the the nine one one system was slightly newer than it really was <laughs> um, because, like I said in the episode, when I was a kid, we didn't have nine one one at home. Like I still remember the number we were supposed to call if there was a a fire or other emergency at our house, and it was not nine one one. And when we got onto 911, like, it was a pretty big deal. And that happened, I mean, I was old enough to remember it. And I'm, I, I, I knew the old number well enough that I still remember it. And I'm 44 years old. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I somehow thought that 911 had been developed in the 80s. <laughs> it, it was before that. Oh, yeah. See, I was the opposite. I thought it had been developed way before that. And it, it really was not... It certainly wasn't implemented for a long time in a lot of places. And now yeah. I'm trying to remember when we, when I was nine, we moved from uh, living outside Seattle in the Pacific Northwest, where I believe we had 911, because I vaguely remember having like a presentation about it at school, mm-hmm. to moving to a very rural beach community on the Gulf Coast. And I don't think we had 911 there. But I also was a carefree, stupid kid who didn't really think about emergencies anyway. In an emergency, you call mom or dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder now. I feel like I should look that up. Yeah. Did we we have 911 when we moved to Florida? Uh, And I I don't honestly know. I had knew a little bit about the Freedom House Ambulance Service before we did this episode. Mm -hmm. I did not realize the gravity of that service in terms of like any ambulance that picks you up for an emergency today its seeds are back there at freedom mm-hmm. house and i didn't know how poorly those paramedics had been treated in terms of being told they were not qualified for their own jobs i'm not surprised by it but i didn't have and i knew there was a a certainly a racist element to that program being shut down uh, and the politicians of Pittsburgh saying, no, we're going to start our own thing. But I didn't, I didn't realize that they were like, oh, you're not qualified for this job, which is just seethingly angry making for me. (laughs) Because what I would say is not appropriate for a podcast that is uh, heard sometimes by families and younger listeners. Um, But it is not cool, I could tell you that. Mm -hmm. Um, I also am struck by how many... uh, I mean, we know if you're drawn to medicine as a field, you are someone who wants to give of yourself and take care of others. But I really like every one of these doctors that comes up in these two episodes, like the way they are described by colleagues long after they are gone, is all about how, like, it's a, a life that is, to me, a little bit terrifying. Like, they didn't take breaks. Um, Nancy Caroline, people would talk about how she never had, like, 
a night's sleep. She would get a few hours here and there in the ambulance while she was working in between calls. Or, and, like, those kinds of lives are... I, it really makes it clearer than ever that, like, we have not been really appreciating the level of sacrifice that the medical community in many cases gives. Yeah. Um, so, again, I deeply think everyone involved in caring for people, whether that is during a pandemic or not. Uh, I've had surprise hospital stays where there were some of those nurses I wanted to hug and cry because I was so grateful for them taking care of me. Um, So thank you to all of the nurses and the doctors and the EMTs and the paramedics. Again, I feel like we can never thank you enough. Uh, I want to figure out new ways to thank them. I'm still working on that in my head. Um, But I think that pretty much covers it for today. Otherwise, I'll start crying because I always do. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. That was like a, y- yeah. You can. It's valid. I'm thinking ahead to what we're recording next where I um, I have picked a listener mail that I'm honestly not sure I'm going to be able to read without crying. Well, we will get through it in pieces. There's the little inside information is that sometimes we read things one sentence at a time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Might happen. And then take breaks, and our amazing uh, producer editor, Casey, cuts out all of the pauses and the crying and the give me a minutes. <laughs> and then uh, and then he makes it into an actual functioning discussion or sentence. Yep. So uh, Casey's another one who we always have to thank profusely. <laughs> uh, if you would like to write to us and share your listener mails, your pictures of kitties, your pictures of your bathrooms, which we talked about in one of our listener mails, which I loved, uh, you can do so at HistoryPodcast at iHeartRadio.com. You can also reach out to us on social media. We're everywhere as Missed in History. And uh, you can subscribe to our show if you haven't already. That is easy to do on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.